Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Amen, amen. Yes, so our series, Solid Ground, and I have the privilege of sharing the word of God with you guys today. And let me tell you that preparing for this message messed me up uh, in very good reasons, right, spiritually, and it just brought back a lot of memories. And particularly, uh, my parents, if you guys, uh, my parents live in Florida, and when they first planted their church, uh, the services were in the afternoons, to be exact, at 5 p.m., So my mom, being the wonderful mom that she is, she would wake me up Sunday mornings to pray and fast. And I hated it. (laughs) Uh, Because she would wake me up and she'd be like, you guys can't call me this, only my mom can call me this, by the way. She'd be like, misailito, which means little misail, nothing small about me, right? Be like, misailito, we gotta wake up, right? And I would remember that I uh, I would sit on the, I would stay in my bed and I would set up, I'd be like, do I really wanna get up today? Right. And she would be like, no, we got to get up and pray. You know, we are fasting this morning. I'm like, sure, mom. So what I would do is I would stay in the bed and I would just get in the position like I was praying. I'd be like this. So I'm trying to do it without falling over. So I would just lay on my bed she, with my knees up and my mom would walk in. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm praying backwards. <laughs> and she's like, me said, no. I was like, no, no, no. I'm praying backwards because I want the blessing to come first. You know, if you pray backwards, everything happens backwards. Blessing comes first and everything else falls into place. And she'd be like, boy, you better get up. Right. <laughs> you know, she threw the chunk at me every once in a while. But what I'm saying is the, the although I had, you could say, the right position, my heart was in the wrong place. See, I was more concerned about receiving the blessing first. I was really concerned about doing things backwards so I could skip the hard part. Because if we're, if we're being real, some of us just don't like to pray, right? And the, you may have the best intentions, but if your heart and your mind are not positioned in the right place, then you end up looking like me, laying in your bed, you know, <laughs> waiting for things to happen backwards. Um, And I found that if we were to place ourselves strategically in our prayer lives, we would be more effective Christians. You'd be more effective, period, right? Because if your will, as we learned in November with Pastor Micaiah, he was sharing with us the, the purpose of prayer and how to pray. He said, when our will aligns with God's will, Oh, something powerful happens. We become, we become effective. We overcome the things that we encounter. So today, I would like to speak to you on the title base, Position of Prayer. And I don't believe in coincidences because uh, Angel only knew I was speaking on prayer. But he was talking about, hey, there's nothing more powerful than being on our knees. And I was like, wow, God, like you're, you're just lining everything up. And a lot of times when we think about the position of prayer, that's the first position we think of, isn't it? Oh, I have to be on my knees, right? I can't be like Messiah laying in his bed, right? But the reality is what's more important is the position of your heart. See, you could be sitting down, you could be standing up, you could be traveling, you could be on an airplane, and you busted out a prayer if the plane shakes too much, right? You don't get on your knees, it doesn't mean it doesn't validate it, it's just the position of your heart. 
And for that, I want to look at one of the one of the prayer warriors in the Bible. So I'm going to invite you to open up your Bible to First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. And I hate to drop it in the middle of a story, so I'm going to give you guys a quick recap of what happened before we enter into First Kings, First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 41. And what's happening here is the prophet Elijah and uh, the God's people start worshiping other gods. And they start worshiping other gods because King Ahab got married to somebody and they started bringing uh, Baal. It wasn't a god that they had at the time. They created all these different altars and worshiping other people. Now, in chapter 17, Elijah goes before the king and tells him, hey, it's not going to rain. Boom. No rain. Right. And they're like, but what's going on? No rain. And it was because of their sin. Now, in chapter 18, he comes back and he tells them, hey, it is going to rain. Right. And then they do. There's a big fight that happens. The 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 Baal prophets and then uh, Elijah being the only prophet left. They do a battle and they say the true king is going to respond with fire. So they build these altars and the fire comes down on the sacrifice that Elijah created. But the one that Baal, the one that was created for Baal, nothing happened. And the people were redeemed. People were excited. People were jumping for joy because they now could truly be reconciled with God. Now, this is where we're jumping in. This is after that big scene. This is the next episode on our Netflix special. First Kings 18 uh, verses 41 through 44. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And for you note takers, I'm going to have you highlight this next portion. And Elijah went up to the went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Verse 43. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Verse 44. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as a small, as small as a man's hand rising out at sea. So he said, go to Ahab, go to go say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the way you are going to speak to us today. Open up our hearts and our minds to receive the message that you have. In the name of Jesus, we all said, amen. amen. As I was preparing for this message, I ran into this really interesting quote regarding prayer. And it's from Pastor Adrian Rogers. And he said, prayer is the greatest Christian privilege. It is the greatest Christian service. You can do more than pray after you pray, but you cannot do more. You cannot do any more than pray until you've prayed. And that's so true. And I was, I was like, oh, that's good. That's really good. But look at the way he finishes. It says, it is the greatest privilege. It is the greatest service. It is also the, it is also the Christian's greatest failure. I was like, bro, you were doing so good. Like, whoo, like you set me up to let me down. And it got me thinking, if this is the greatest privilege we have, this is the greatest service that we could do. Why is it our greatest failure? Why is it that prayer is so hard? Here it is. If you're taking notes, here's my first point. What is most important is often most neglected. 
what is most important, it is often neglected. So why do we fail to pray? Indifference. You just don't feel like it. Let's be real. How many of you guys got up and said this morning, I feel like praying? No, you said, I want some hot coffee. I want some hot chocolate. I want some scrambled eggs and bacon. Or take me to Bill's. I'm starving. You thought about everything else before you thought about prayer, right? And it was the same thing with King Ahab. See, when they announced that there was going to be a drought, that there wasn't going to be any rain, he didn't think about prayer. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to read 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 so you can capture the answers of the story. He went town to town, city by city, trying to find Elijah. He never went to pray. He, instead of trying to gather the resources, he was looking for the plug. He was looking for the connect. A lot of times we do that when we don't feel like praying, we find the person that does pray. Hey, man, what are you doing? Good. Nothing? All right. Hey, can you pray for me? I'm not feeling so good right now. (laughs) I'm the only one that sends that text message. Sorry. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. All right. I'll take it. Right? But I want you to take courage. In Romans 8, 5, it says, for those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, uh, according to the spirit, uh, do the things of the spirit. Now, why is that important? When we talk about the flesh, why don't we want to pray? Because we don't feel like it. That's our flesh. What is the flesh? That is your natural tendency not to like God. Your, if a fancy word is your natural disposition not to like the things of heaven. <laughs> Does that sound good? No? Okay. <laughs> Right. But that's one of the things. And it tells us here, hey, it's your flesh. It doesn't want to pray, but the spirit is willing. What's another reason we don't like to pray? Ignorance. And I'm not calling you ignorant. What I'm saying is we don't know what to pray for. There's so many things to pray for. World hunger. My my Starbucks bank account is empty. There's so many things that need to happen. I didn't get the latest shoes. I couldn't make it to the gym. I don't know where to start. So I'm just not going to start. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you started cooking something without the end in mind? Never, right? You never went and just started throwing ingredients at the pan and waited for something magical to show up, right? It's the same thing with prayer. When you start praying, you start praying with a purpose. You start praying with the end in mind. Hey, what am I praying for, right? It may be a lot of things, but just dwindle it down. See, a lot of times we don't pray because there's too many ingredients in our list. There's too many things that are going on. Now, let me give you the third reason why we don't pray. And this is my favorite. Interference. If you're a Chargers fan, it's called an interception. (laughs) If you're a Raiders fan, it's called a loss. (laughs) And what I mean by interference is the moment you decide you want to pray, everything pops off. Everything goes wrong. Things start going all kinds of crazy. The beans burn. The kids start crying. Uh, Like the car breaks down. You get a phone call from that long lost auntie who hasn't called you in 20 years. And they want to tell you their whole life story. You start remembering the things that you should have done. You remember the little cobweb you forgot to get. And my all-time favorite, which I'm guilty of all the time, sleepiness. It just hits you. I go to pray sometimes and I'm like... I got to walk. I can't kneel down to pray. I'm being honest with you guys. I can't kneel down to pray because it'll get the best of me. Remember I told you about growing up in Florida with my mom and praying? Tuesdays, they would have prayer service. And it was the quietest service ever for me. And I was wa- always wake up with a little check mark on my, on my forehead. And the check mark was the pattern of the seat because I would fall asleep praying. Right? 
Uh, and you could ask Ceci when you see her, um, the church we were at previously, she wouldn't like to go to prayer service with me because I would start snoring. <laughs> so they'd be like, is that me? He's praying real deep in the spirit. He's playing real deep. He's real deep. Right. But that's the reality is we don't pray because things just they get in the way. And there's so many things that just come into our mind. Now, in Matthew 26, 40, it says that when he came to the disciples, he found them sleeping. And Peter said uh, and he said to Peter, what could you not watch for me for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There he goes mentioning the flesh again. See, you guys thought I was the only one that fell asleep. They fell asleep with Jesus. I don't feel so bad, right? But here it tells us, hey, the flesh is weak. Why, can't, why is it that we can't just overcome the flesh? You overcome the flesh by praying. See, it's a catch-20. You're like, how do I overcome it? Well, you got to pray. You have to have the discipline to stand still. See, I tell you, I can't kneel down to pray. So what I do, I walk and pray. Right. Here's another thing I can't do. I can't listen to like lively worship music when I pray because I start air drumming as I start praying. I'm distracted. Right. I have to get centered. So I play I play music without any like just kind of soft piano in the background. But those are the things that I had to do to have an effective prayer life. See, because my flesh wants to air drum, my flesh wants to sleep, my flesh wants to lay down, kick my feet up, and want the blessing backwards, right? But the reality is that when we go to pray, there is something called prayer pains. And we saw it here in the verse, and maybe you missed it, so I want you to look it up in verse 42. Uh, so if you have your Bibles open, go to verse 42, and it says, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount to the top of Carmel. I want to say mountain. It was a mountain. Mount Carmel. And this is where it gets interesting. He then bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Now, this is a, why would the writer go as so detailed as, as to put that, those, those additional things on there? See, in those times, they didn't have stirrups. If you're not familiar with stirrups, those are the things that the ladies, when they go to give birth, they put their feet on. It looks like a roller coaster, right? They just kind of put their feet up. But in those times, they didn't have that. So what they would do is, it's not a roller coaster, sorry. So, <laughs> so what they would do is, the ladies, when there was time to give birth, they would actually stand on two bricks, and they would put their face between their knees. And they would hold that position and somebody would say, push, and they would push. Now, why would Elijah take that same position? Why would Elijah put himself in a, in a position of birth? He's a dude. Come on, bro. Really? <laughs> See, he understood that the thing that he was about to face was going to cost him something. He was going to birth a miracle, spiritually speaking. So the position he had to get in had to be of one of deliverance. As he's there, he knew that the previous things that he had prayed for, that this was going to be different. Some of us have encountered problems that require more than just walking around and praying. Let me ask you this. Have you ever encountered a four-ton problem with a two-ton prayer life? You can't haul it. It doesn't work. Now, I want you to look at Romans 8.26. 
And it says, likewise, for the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. But look at the last part of the verse. For us with groanings too deep for words. And that word groaning is the same word they would use to call out labor pains. You ever been praying so hard over something that the words just stop coming out? And you just start saying, Jesus. Jesus. I have found myself at times praying for things where all I could say was, oh God, oh God. I shared it with you guys a few times ago, but it's worth repeating. When we lost our house to a house fire, I remember being in the living room. And my wife said, what are you doing? I was like, I'm trying to pray. She said, what are you praying for? I don't know. I just need to open up my mouth. And I remember sitting there, just tears coming down my face. And all I could say was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want you to know that when things are so hard, you can't even pray. You could take reassurance in God's word that the spirit will intercede for you. But you still have to pray. If all you could say is Jesus, glory, King of kings, Lord of lords. There's something deep within you that's going to start crying out. That's called the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And as you do. The Bible also tells us that when we are weak, he is strong. See, Elijah understood that what he was facing was going to be hard. And it's hard because if, like I told you, I highly encourage you to read chapter 17 and 18. If you look at chapter 17, Elijah prayed and the rain stopped. One prayer, quit. We're good. We're good to go. Then in chapter 18, he comes back and says, it is going to rain. Also in chapter 18, the, he, he's living with a widow for a period of time. Her son dies. He throws himself on top of her. Boom. On top of him. Sorry, him. He prays for him. He's brought back to life. Right? So he's on a roll with prayers. He prayed for fire to come down and consume the sacrifice. One prayer. Bam. Done. But here, he prayed and nothing happened. See, in verses in verse 43, he tells his servant, go up to the mountain. He went and look at the response the servant gives him. There is nothing. How many times have you prayed and there is nothing? It becomes discouraging, doesn't it? You prayed. I'm praying, Jesus, I'm here. I'm singing the song when I, I can't sing. So don't don't wait for me to sing. Nothing happens. Now, if I was Elijah, I'd be like, Lord, like, hey, you're the same God yesterday to ever, today and forever. You're Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. You did it, you did it before, you can do it again. One hit it, quit it, let's go. One prayer, let's go. But no. See, and it says, he went up seven times. Now, if I was a servant, I'd be upset. I'd be like, Elijah, are you praying to the right God? <laughs> Because this little trip up and down the mountain is nobody's business. Right? So, but he said, there is nothing. Now, I did have to ask myself this question. 
why would he send the servant if he was the one praying for the miracle? Why would he send, he was the one praying, he was the one in the position of birth. Wouldn't he want to see what was going to happen? Wouldn't he want to see the rain first? And this is what I understood. There's things that we are praying for that we can't get up to see until they come to pass and somebody has to tell us a testimony about it. There's family members that we are praying for that we are hoping they show up to church and they're sitting right with us. But let me tell you, they may not come here, but they're going to get to Christ. Maybe you're praying for something so big that you cannot stop to go see the progress that Jesus is making in the background. You just have to stay in your position. You have to stay where you are and pray without ceasing. You have to stay and pray. And look what happened in verse 44. Then it came to pass, it came to pass the seventh time. How many times? How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's more than a handful of prayers, isn't it? How many of you guys have had to do more than a handful of prayers to see a miracle happen in your life? Right? Seven times. And on the seventh time, that, uh, on the seventh time, that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up to Ahab, prepare your chariots, and go down before the rain stops you. Elijah didn't give, up on his, didn't give up on his prayer, even though the answer he was looking for was smaller than what he expected. See, sometimes when we are praying, we give up on our prayer when the answer we receive is smaller than what we think. There's sometimes we're praying for things for God to show up, and God shows up with a cloud the size of your hand. And God said, if you only knew the abundance of rain that's about to come down, boy, you would get your parachute, not even an umbrella, a whole parachute, because you're going to be drowning. Now, it begs the question, why did God answer his prayer on the seventh time? And for that, we have to look at James chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. Because I told you that Elijah was a man of prayer. And look what it says in the book of James in verses 16 and 18. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Here it is. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But then here's verse 17. Elijah, who? Oh, you guys are sleeping. Verse 17, Elijah, right? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Let's pause for a second. Elijah has a nature like ours. Elijah didn't want to pray, but he still prayed. Elijah got distracted with the beans burning. He still prayed. Elijah didn't probably fell asleep praying, but let me tell you what. He got back up and he continued praying. He had a nature like ours. This is where you and I can relate to the Bible. They encountered the same things you and I are facing. The reasons we'd like to pray. He had them too, but look at the difference. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And what happened? It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. They got it real specific, huh? Verse 18. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain, gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. There's the answer. The earnest, fervent 
prayer will produce the answer that you're looking for. Now your flesh is disposition. It's going to lean for you not to pray. It's going to lean for you to watch that next episode, even though you can just hit pause and pick up tomorrow. It's going to tell you not to move. It's going to tell you, hey, don't get up to pray. It's too early. But if you remain and start praying, if you would just have the earnest prayer, if you would be, if you would just get up and force yourself. Miracles would happen. See, Elijah didn't give up because although he knew that his first prayers worked, he knew this one was going to take more time. But because he was uh, he prayed earnestly previously, he could continue praying earnestly now. See, the devil laughs at those good intentions that you have. I'm going to get up today. Sure you are. (laughs) I'll see it when I believe it. See, the devil wants you to quit praying. Quit praying. That's why you encounter so much opposition when you go to pray. Because if we were to pray consistently, if we were to have an earnest life of prayer, the enemy wouldn't be able to overcome. See, Elijah knew and understood that what he was facing was going to be greater. So the position that he, remember I talked about the position? It wasn't only the fact that he was birthing a miracle, but the fact that he was aligning himself with what God said. What do you mean what God said? What do you mean? See, for that, we have to look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we look at the promises in prayer. See, because in Deuteronomy chapter 11, the God was speaking to Moses and he tells him, hey, if my people, Israel, if they start worshiping other gods, I'm going to stop the rain and they're not going to be able to harvest the crop. Now, if they redeem themselves, if they come back to me, I will open up the heavens. I think we missed it. Let me explain it a little bit, a little bit different. See, Elijah prayed the promises or the word of God. He prayed them and they came to pass. See, son, God is a son of man. He's not able to lie. So be, therefore, he has to withhold, uphold his word. So what Elijah did in chapter 17, when you look at when you look at first uh, Kings, he told the king what was going to happen. What was going to happen? He prayed what God had already told him was going to happen. Now, before the prayer, before the rain came, something happened. Remember I told you when I was doing the recap that there was a battle and he offered a sacrifice and people believed again in God. He redeemed the people. And after he redeemed the people, he then went back and then he asked for rain. See, a lot of us want to ask things for God, but we haven't redeemed ourselves or we haven't asked for forgiveness before taking that next step. See, when you take what God has put in his word, and let me tell you, there's over 7,000 promises for you and I in God's word. There's over, there's so many promises. You could get down to the needy greedy, but in order for you to know them, you have to open up and read your Bible. See, if you would just pray the promises of God, he has to be accountable to them. See, if I were to write you a check for, uh, let's say, a million dollars, hmm. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> it might bounce more than a basketball. But if God said it, but if God wrote it down and he left it for you and I, you could write the check on any amount. It's a blank check. You just have to pray for it. 
See, Elijah knew that fervent prayer and the word of God made a difference in his life. See, we could talk about how to pray, but we looked at, we learned that in November. So I would encourage you, if you're struggling with how to pray, uh, jump on our podcast and our YouTube. And Pastor Micaiah did a deep dive on how to pray. And that's, uh, we did that in November this past year. So when we talk about prayer, when we talk about the things that make solid ground, it's the fervent, earnest prayer of a Christian. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you tied your prayers to God's many promises? See, the promise in Deuteronomy allowed Elijah to pray for the rain to stop and for the miracle to happen. People like, oh, my goodness, he's the man of God. No, he was just cashing in what was already there. When we talk about prayer and we talk about solid ground, they go hand in hand. See, because before I did banking, before I did all this, I used to do landscaping. And I remember that one of the first things I learned was solid ground for two reasons, because I had to dig holes and I would hit solid ground. It's like, can't go any deeper. (laughs) But the other thing I learned is that what you think is solid ground. What do you mean, Misael? See, there was times where I stood and I was like, this looks pretty good, boss. Let's move forward. He's like, Misael, I don't know. The only way to test whether or not you're standing on solid ground is if it could support the weight that's about to be put on it. You and I, the solid ground of prayer, the foundational truth in prayer is tested when the pressure of life stands on you. And it says, hmm, are they a good Christian? Do they have an earnest prayer life? And what ends up happening is the pressure that's on top reveals the crack that are in the foundation. A lot of us people wonder, they look so good. What did they have, what did they have such a public fallout? Or hey, what, what happened to that person? See, when you stand next to them, they look like they were on solid ground, but their foundation was hollow. So when the trials came and the situations presented itself and the weight was there, It couldn't withstand what was there. That's the reason why prayer is so fundamental. So when we talk about positioning ourselves in prayer or the position of prayer, we are talking about positioning ourselves in a direct connection with God. Because prayer in its basic form is just talking to God. Now the strength of that communication changes. Your prayer positions you in the proximity of his voice. Your prayer positions you in the proximity of his voice. And for that, I want to go back to verse 41 of what we read in 1 Kings 18. And it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Nobody else heard the rain. Elijah didn't see a cloud in the sky. That's why he was sending his servant. 
but he heard the rain. He heard what was going to happen. Your intimate connection with God lets you hear the things that are going to come. There's an investment of time. Intimacy requires communication. So with that, if you want to have an intimate relationship with God, you need to position yourself in prayer. That's why Sundays are not enough. Or maybe you are praying. You say, Misal, I pray every day. Are you just asking God for stuff or are you trying to build a relationship with God? The word says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. When we talk about positioning ourselves in prayer, we're talking about following what God wants us to do. We're talking about taking that next step in his will, not ours. Yes, we could ask him for things, but we want to build. Ultimately, we want to build a relationship with God. So in closing, I want to ask you this. Have you spent enough time in a prayer position to be close to God? Is your position of prayer moving you away from God or drawing you closer to him? And that's a tough question. Because a lot of times we want, like Elijah, that the first prayer things happen. But character is revealed when things don't happen the way you want. Your relationship with God is revealed in how much you're willing to withstand and continue praying. Maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, Misael, I don't know that God you're talking about. I don't even know how to pray. But I would like to take that next step. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. We just want to pray for you. Amen. See that hand. Amen. We see that hand. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. And for the benefit of those that are coming to Christ for the first time and those all together, we're going to say this prayer. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for sending your only begotten son to pay for my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for writing my name in the book of life. I thank you because now we'll get to spend eternity with you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. 
thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.